Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about dental anxiety, about the fear of going to the dentist. It's such a common fear among a lot of kids, regardless of whether they have anxiety or OCD. But especially for our kids with anxiety or OCD, things like that can elicit even more fear or create an additional phobia. So this topic was requested by a member of the AT Parenting community. One of the benefits of being a member of the community is uh, you have my ear. And a lot of times they are dictating what topics I talk about in the podcast and on my YouTube channel. And so I appreciate that community. And this is a good one because I'm, I was surprised that I hadn't done this one before. This is episode 269. So you would have thought I covered this before, but I haven't. And it is a good one to talk about. So before I get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you or your child or and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. And check back if you have it in a while because they're getting new providers all the time. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback about NoCD. So that is a good thing because it's hard for us to find qualified pediatric OCD therapists. It's almost virtually impossible sometimes, depending on where you live. And they are filling in that gap very effectively. So check them out. Okay. I want to talk to you about going to the dentist. And so a lot of this is going to be, you know, like with any phobia, we're really going to approach any phobia in a very similar way. And so I want you to have that framework in your head. Because when I teach you or kids, I don't want to just teach for the particular problem. I want to teach the framework of how you address these issues. Because I do feel like sometimes parents, kids, and even sometimes therapists can get stuck on tackling one problem at a time without generalizing these tools and saying, you can apply this to any phobia or any fear. Same thing with how we approach anxiety or how we approach OCD. It is the foundational framework of how we approach those things that that really stay the same regardless of fear or OCD theme. Now, I treat anxiety and OCD differently. I talk more to anxiety, but that's not what this episode is about. Uh, So the foundations will look different, and the foundation might look a little different with phobias because there is a little bit more processing that I would do with phobias than I would if it was an OCD issue. So we're going to get into that. So let me break this down in kind of a simplistic way. The first thing that I start with, with any issue, regardless of whether it's anxiety, OCD, or a phobia, is I try to figure out the core fear or core discomfort. Not because I'm going to change the framework or foundation of how I'm going to approach it, but that extra information can help me through the process. And I'll explain what I mean in a minute as I go through this. So I do have one child who was deathly afraid of the dentist. And I'm trying to think my other two, like they didn't like going to the dentist, but it wasn't creating like complete panic. And for my son, going to the dentist was quite the ordeal. And 
And so I'm going to use him a little bit throughout this process to kind of talk about my personal experience and how we overcame that or he overcame that and how I helped him do that because now he doesn't have a problem going to the dentist anymore. He's 12. So there is hope. (laughs) We'll start with hope, right? So get to the core fear or core discomfort around the issue. Do that with anything that you're trying to start with because you want data. I want information because maybe you're afraid of the smells that go along with it. Maybe you're afraid of the needle. Maybe you're afraid of the chair. Maybe you're afraid of the x-ray. We don't know. And a lot of times what I find is that parents will assume they know. And a lot of times they might be correct. Maybe their child's very expressive about their problem, but sometimes we're wrong. Or sometimes we don't know the full extent of it. Or sometimes we don't go all the way down to the very core core fear. And that extra bit of information will really help us when we are talking about how to confront this phobia. And I'm saying phobia because if you're really phobic about going to the dentist, it becomes a phobia. Anything related to the dentist, the idea of the dentist, going near the building, you know, it's like a classic phobia. And a lot of our kids with general anxiety disorder can have a a phobia around the dentist. OCD can also bring its ugly head or rear its ugly head in this issue as well. And so we want to figure out what we're talking about. If we have a child with anxiety and OCD, are we talking about OCD? Are they worried about the instruments being contaminated or having someone close to their face? We don't want to assume. It's crazy how many times I thought I completely knew what was causing my child to be anxious or uncomfortable about something. I thought, oh, I totally know what this OCD theme is, or I totally know what their anxiety is about it. And I was wrong. And I'm a professional. (laughs) And I say that tongue in cheek because it doesn't matter. You know, we can't assume what the core fear or core discomfort is. Even if you're 99.9% sure, you can never be 100% sure. And even if you feel like your child has already talked to you about this, I would recommend processing this again because those juicy little details, and I'll, I'll explain as I go, can be gold in how you're going to approach this. If you're not nailing the core fear, especially with anxiety or phobias, even with OCD, I would say, because it's going to help you craft a better exposure, then we're missing a big opportunity. And it's crazy how often I'm wrong or I assume something. And so go back and ask your child. And this is the language I would use. And if you've listened to me for a long time, you know exactly what I'm going to say, because I am not, you know, I'm a one trick pony. <laughs> you know, Once you listen to me, you're like, I, I train the same stuff over and over again. And I do that on purpose so that you have a good foundation so that you can say, I do this with this other issue. And so I get it. Like, I don't have to learn that. My brain can be on automatic. All I have to know is just how to navigate this a little bit. And so I would say to my child, what's the hardest part about going to the dentist? Not why is it hard to go to the dentist? Because again, if you've listened to me before, even though we're not trying to be accusatory or demeaning, when we say why, why is it hard to go to the dentist? Even if you don't say it like that, if you say, why is it hard to go to the dentist? It can immediately put a child on defensive. It's crazy how we can change a couple of words and the the reception of those words and the effectiveness of that conversation will drastically change. And I'm telling you because I sat in therapy sessions for, you know, for like, I don't know, 15 plus years 
And I had to like really fine tune how I talk to kids because it gets frustrating when no one talks to you. So you learn very quickly. You take your own data and you realize when I ask it this way, I tend to get more of a response. And so I know going to the dentist is difficult, right? Validate. Start with a validation. As cheesy as that sounds, it helps to disarm your child. I get it. I get that it's hard, right? What's the hardest part for you? So there's validation already. And then your child might say kind of what I call throwaway answers. And throwaway answers aren't like insignificant. It's just, it means that we have to dig a little bit deeper. So they might say it's stupid or it's boring or it's, I hate it. I just hate it, right? Those are not data juicy information. (laughs) It's like you're that it's boring or that you hate it isn't going to really help me. And a lot of times when we're asking our kids those questions for things like, what's the hardest part about going to sleep? Or what's the hardest part about going to school? You're going to get those answers even more, right? It's stupid. I'm not tired. I don't want to go to sleep. Throwaway answers. There's no data there. And so we want to go a little bit further. And we want to say, and you might interchange your words instead of hardest, you might say scariest or worrying, depending on your child. Some kids don't like that because they, they get upset when you say that they're anxious or worried. They may not want to hear those words. And other kids, that might really help them pinpoint the kind of answer that you're looking for, right? So when you say, what's the hardest part about going to the dentist? That's kind of generic. It can help for those kids that are defended already about anxiety or OCD. But for my kids, I would probably say, what makes you the most anxious about going to the dentist? That that is how I would probably say it for my kids. I tend to get an answer when I ask, what makes you the most anxious? So, you know, find what's right for you. And then don't stop there. You want to dig a little bit further. So if they say, I'm afraid of shots, you know, which is totally normal and common, then you'd say, what's the scariest part about getting a shot? You know, validate it first if your child's kind of defensive. I know shots can be really scary. What's the scariest part about getting a shot? You don't want to weave yourself in too much. I think sometimes parents weave themselves in too much. Like, I was afraid of the dentist too, but then I got over it. Or I'm afraid of shots too, but you kind of want to leave yourself out of it in when you're trying to assess what's going on because that can kind of cloud the picture and it may even unintentionally water down their own fears, like almost like you're you're saying that it's nothing and you should get over it. Not that we are, but we have to be really careful with how we talk about fear with our kids because it's a tightrope and you can quickly fall off that tightrope and then you can't get back on. So find the core fear. With a dentist, a lot of times it's not, you know, it's not rocket science. Most of the time it's, you know, they're going to get shots in their mouth or someone's going to be poking things and that stuff is scary. And so the reason why I say don't assume though, is because with my kids and the kids I've worked with, sometimes it's not about that. With my son, it was the x-rays you know, he didn't, he, he had a core fear and he, he continues to have a core fear, although he works through it about being poked very, very specific. And so any, if you looked at his patterns, he was afraid of bees because of bee stings. So any, any insect that would sting him with a stinger, a poke scared him. We live in the desert. Cacti scared him to the point where he would cross the street to avoid a cactus because somehow in his brain, he thought, it could like reach over and and poke him. He got worried about, you know, needles and shots for sure. But even like a kid in school, maybe like in kindergarten or first grade, poked him in the stomach. And from then on, 
he had to continually compulsively like pull his shirt down so no one poked him in his stomach. So it was very much like an OCD thing at that point. He also had to like cover his body up at night so he didn't get poked. It was it went beyond anxiety is my whole point. And that weaved into the dentist. And so my my point is don't assume, okay, kids are afraid of the dentist. They're afraid of shots. Just do a little probing so that you know the full extent of it. So he was afraid of the x-rays. That was good information for me because then maybe I could get him into the dentist without having him to take x-rays. And so I could at least get him started, get his you know foot in the door and then slowly get him to take the x-rays. So that was, that was good information. So find the core fear and then we want to reframe their thinking. So once you know the core fear, then we can problem solve a little bit better. And so if they tell you they don't like when people are working on their mouth, what's the, what's the worst part about them working on your mouth? I don't like the scraping sound. I don't like the sound of them drilling. Or what if I have a cavity? Or it's contaminated or it's dirty. You know, find what that is. And then if it's anxiety, you want to reframe their thinking. And, and the reason why I say if it's anxiety, if it's OCD and they're worried about things being contaminated, we don't want to rationalize and problem solve with OCD because that actually grows OCD bigger. That's where it gets a little confusing when we're dealing with anxiety and OCD. And so, you know, if a child's worried about contamination, well, that's a that's a theme across the board. And the dentist just happens to be another area around contamination. So then when you're going to work on OCD and you're going to work on contamination in all areas, including the dentist. But I'm going to focus more on the anxiety aspect because I feel like that is the bulk of the people that are going to be listening to this are having anxiety or phobic reactions to the dentist. And so reframing their thinking. So with my son, and this is going to sound like an accommodation, but it's baby steps, right? I wanted to get him into the dentist's office and I knew that it was just x-rays. And so I said to him initially, you just go to the dentist. I'll make sure that you don't have x-rays. And so a lot of what I'm going to talk about, you have to partner with the dentist and the dentist team. And if they're not willing to partner with you or understand then you have to find a new dentist because finding the right dentist, especially when you're dealing with fears around going to the dentist is key. So if you're bringing your child to your dentist, a family dentist or an adult dentist, and they're not kid friendly, then you might want to switch if they're not working with you because you want the atmosphere to be kid friendly, to be whimsical, or to be at least understanding. There are dentists out there that specialize in special needs and pediatrics. And so even if you're thinking, well, my child's not like quote unquote special needs. When I think of special needs, I think of a different category. I would still venture out to find that special needs dentist because they're more likely to do some of the things that I'm going to suggest as we move forward in this episode. Uh, you just, you really need their buy-in, understanding and help. And so they're going to be really important in, in helping your child work through this. And so reframing their thinking can be really helpful. For some, education can be helpful. They maybe want to know exactly what's happening in their mouth. For others, they may not want to know at all. And so reframing their thinking is important as far as why things are happening. Maybe they have an exaggerated thought about it. I've had kids that I've worked with that were worried that if they had dental work, they would never wake up. What if something goes wrong? What if, you know, I get medicated or I get put under and I won't ever wake up? And so you're going to want to reframe or process those fears. You know, how many kids go to the dentist every day and how many of them don't wake up, right? 
Do you hear that on the news a lot? What do you think the percentage is? So using some rational thinking can be helpful when you know what that core fear is, which it could be very specific. I had a kid who it was very specific. It was about worrying about not being able to wake up. So work on those things. And then the bulk of this, the bulk of this is going to be exposures like it would be with any other phobia. When we have a phobia, a fear of doing or seeing or being around something, we have to incrementally expose ourselves to that fear stimulus. I mean, that's just basic psychology, right? And it's the same thing with the dentist. It's like, how do I get your feet wet? And then your legs wet and then up to your hips and then up to your stomach, you know, incrementally. And so it depends on the severity of the child's fear of going to the dentist. I have worked with kids in my practice where they couldn't drive on the street near the dentist. It was that bad. And so we started with, okay, we're just going to drive down that road and I'm going to point out there's the dentist. That's it. Now for a lot of you, probably the bulk of you, that's not where you're at. That's way too extreme, but I want to start big and then we'll move in. And then with that child, we said, okay, how about you sit in the parking lot in front of the dentist's office? And we did that for a while until that was not a big deal. And then can you sit at the door of the dentist? And then can you sit in the waiting room, right? You get my point. It's just inchworming your way towards the ultimate goal, which is to get the dental work done. And then as you move further into it, this is kind of where you need the cooperation of your dentist. So if you have a great dentist office, it can be helpful for them to schedule an appointment where your child can just sit in the chair. They don't have to do anything else, just sit in the chair. That could be very helpful. And so as you move closer to the dentist chair, you're going to need their cooperation because you can't just go in there and (laughs) sit in a dentist chair. That'd be weird. So, and then moving from there, can we have an appointment where we sit in the dentist chair and you show me the instruments, you know, where I hold them and I understand what they're for and I don't do anything else. So this is like desensitizing them to the environment, to the smells, to the equipment with the guarantee that no dental work is happening today. We're just exposing you. If you want to go gung-ho, see if you can get some of the equipment or the blue gloves that they might wear or the masks that they wear. You know, see if your dentist office is willing to let you have some of that or if you can purchase some of that. That can be really helpful because then you can carry out those exposures at home. You know, and even if they're not afraid of like gloved fingers or whatever, just the idea of having fingers in their mouth or moving around a little mirror in their mouth can be very helpful. And then once you have that established and it's a bumpy road, so it will take time. But once you have that established, then you might, if they're afraid of like my son was afraid of a particular thing. And so I was able to say no x-rays, just do a cleaning. And I had to be a little bit of a mama bear about this and say, no, he's not going to have x-rays today. And I did get a little pushback, I think in the beginning. And I just said, he has an anxiety and OCD disorder and you know, he gets a panic attack. And actually they experienced it once um, because they gave him x-rays and he had like a full-blown anxiety attack. And then they were like, what is that? I'm like, he has anxiety. (laughs) You know, I already told you. And so from then on, I was like, no x-rays, you know, we're working up to it. And so he got a cleaning and he was able to do that stuff. And again, that's desensitizing him that can you handle just a cleaning? And so don't be afraid to be an advocate and say, my child's scared and I just need them to come in for a cleaning so they can get something in their mouth without you doing anything else. And if you're getting a lot of pushback or a lot of lack of cooperation, you know, there's 
I mean, at least where I live, there's a dentist on every corner. I would find a new dentist because I would want that kid-friendly dentist that's going to work with me. And again, you know, if you're living in a bigger city, you can look for a special needs dentist and that's all they do. And so they'll be used to it. Over time, he would go get one x-ray and then two x-rays. And now we'll work up to this, but over time, he was able to tolerate the discomfort and, and not be anxious about it which is amazing. Now it took a long time because we did these in incremental steps. So for a long time, he wasn't getting his x-ray or he would try and then he would have an anxiety attack. And I'd tell him, nope, that's it. You know, he's done for today because I didn't want to push him so over the edge that he couldn't come back, that he wouldn't ever go back to a dentist at all. And so I was kind of refereeing that and not accommodating him, but I was like, we're beyond the edge of where he can be. And so now we're pulling back again. And so that was important. Over time, he does not have a problem at all going to the dentist anymore. You know, that helped because we kept going. So we weren't avoiding the dentist. And I'm trying to think the other issue, he was doing x-rays, but he also knew that like if it became too overwhelming that he would be able to stop. And when he gets dental work, I was just thinking about this because he did just get two teeth removed. He was anxious again about that, which is understandable. And, And so, you know, dental anxiety doesn't just go away when new things happen, they have a cavity or they need teeth pulled or something happens like that, you know, you're going to get an increase in anxiety again. And I didn't assume that I knew what the core fear was with him again. I said, what's the scariest part about getting your teeth removed? And he said, I'm worried about the shots, you know, to numb my teeth. They're going to, it's going to pinch. It's going to hurt. And I said, and I don't lie to my kids. You know, I said, it's going to hurt for a second and then it will be over. And then you won't feel anything else. Because if we say it's not going to hurt at all and then it does hurt, you know, then our word is is trash to our kids and then they're not going to have that trust with us. We want to be honest, but they still put him under and I pay a lot of extra money <laughs> for him to be put under when they, they do anything. So when he has a cavity, they put him under. When they take teeth out, they put him under because it's just too much for him. So Again, partner with your dentist. And even if it is something that they normally don't put kids under for, they might be willing to just sedate him or her at some level in order for them to be calm. Now, another option as well is to, you know, if you have a psychiatrist that you're working with or a pediatrician, you know, maybe you get medication to calm them before you go to the dentist. There's a lot of like antihistamines, like Atarax that are often prescribed for anxiety, even though they're an antihistamine because they do have a calming effect and they're just an antihistamine. So there's no concern. It's not a controlled substance and you can take it as needed. And so that's something that we use at my house for my daughter when she has like just an increase in anxiety all of a sudden is she'll take Atarax. And so that's something to talk to your psychiatrist or your pediatrician about, you know, that they're anxious. A lot, a lot of times as parents, we think like the only go-to for something like that would be like a Xanax. Most kids don't need something that strong. They could probably take like an Atarax or they could be put under when they get the dental work. And if you have a dentist who's not willing to put them under on some level, like a twilight, it doesn't have to be like if they get put fully under, but you can again, look for that special needs dentist who is very, very used to, to doing that. So That's what we do. Now, there's no silver bullet answer to having your child be afraid of the dentist. It's like anything else that a child is phobic to. You have to expose them to it in incremental stages. And if you know their core fear, 
we want to incorporate exposing them to that. And so with my son, who's afraid of poking, we did a lot of poking exposures completely separate from the dentist. And this might sound really weird and maybe, you know, bizarre, but we would take a paper clip and I would open it, you know, so that it was straight. And with his permission, I would lightly poke him on his shoulder. And that was for shots because he would not get shots either. And that was a huge deal. And he wouldn't get his blood taken a lot of anything related to being poked. And so we did poking exposures where I would just lightly tap him. And then I would like tap him a little bit deeper, you know, just where I was like, he could feel it, not that I was hurting him. And that really helped desensitize him because I said, it's not going to feel any different than this. And so that was very helpful. So figure out how you need to expose your child. You know, if they're afraid of x-rays, maybe put some stuff, you know, have them put stuff in their mouths so they can feel that discomfort. And it's not that it's going to be pleasant because it won't be, but that they can survive it, right? So we have to watch our language again. It's not like you're going to get over this. It's like, I know it's uncomfortable, but I know you can survive it. You know, I hate going to the dentist myself because I hate x-rays because they, they do, they pinch my mouth. I have a very tiny mouth, but I survive it. And so that's the kind of language that we can use so that our kids don't feel like they have to be, you know, gung-ho or comfortable with the dentist, but they just have to survive it. The last piece I would mention is don't forget the positive reinforcement. That is really helpful. It can move the dial. It has moved the dial for my kids for lots of surgical procedures. My daughter's had to be scoped a couple of times. My kids have had to get blood work taken because they both have autoimmune issues. It's like a core fear. Like getting their blood taken is a huge core fear, more so than anything else, actually. And so I always offer a bravery incentive. Not that it's going to take their fear away, but it's to acknowledge you're being really brave and you're having to go to the dentist. And I know that's really scary for you and we've worked on it, but I know that that's you're still scared and that's okay. It's okay to be scared, but we just still work through our fears and to celebrate your braveness when you're done with this procedure or when you're done with your cleaning, you're going to get blah, 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 right? All you have to do is just, you know, work through your discomfort and be able to handle this appointment. And so it's an added bonus. It's a cherry on top. It doesn't move the dial if you don't do all the other things I just talked about, but it is, it is a way to add a little bit of excitement into something that's really horrific for a lot of us. Uh, It's Pavlovian. It's like A plus B equals C. When my kids hear that they have to get their blood test, my son now, he's like (laughs) cha-ching. He's not afraid anymore. And he's actually excited because he's like, I'm going to get a huge you know, bravery prize. And so he knows it's a high value ticket. You know, like I go big on the blood test because it had been such a big issue for my kids. And so he has associated now blood work with a a prize or something cool. And so it's Pavlovian. You know, it's like if you're always attaching something positive with a negative experience, sometimes that can help diminish the negativity of it. Not that they're going to be gung-ho about going to the dentist, but I tell you, my son is actually, I almost want to say excited when he has to get blood work because he starts to go shopping in his head. My mom's going to give me this and what will I buy with all that money? I don't give him a lot, a lot, but enough for, you know, a 12 year old kid that now over time he's, he's worked through that, which is crazy because he actually used to have to be held down to get his blood work. And then my husband would hold him. And then when my husband died, I was like, crap, like, how am I going to do this? And he's just improved. And now he actually, I don't, I don't know if excited is the right word. That might be a little bit too strong, but he's, he gets enthusiastic about the present part of it. 
So don't discount that aspect. That aspect is very important, that cherry on top, to start to reinforce the positive aspect of doing something brave. And that's what we do with all things is that reinforcement is just to acknowledge and celebrate that bravery and that step towards discomfort that, you know, none of us want to do, but that we have to do a lot of the time. And when we do those things, we squash our anxiety and OCD and we get stronger and more empowered to do it again. And so we can help reinforce that by adding that uh, bravery celebration. So I hope that you found this helpful. I know none of it is like rocket science. It's all pretty obvious stuff, but I think sometimes you just need to process it and really think about it in in the specific way that we're talking about the dentist or a bug. It's all the same. It's all phobias or fears. You're going to relate and handle it the same way, but sometimes it's good to just walk through it to kind of give you some ideas or reinforce the thoughts that you were already having about how to handle this. So I hope that you are enjoying my podcast. I hope I can see some of you at the OCD conference. I was just checking my calendar to see when this episode comes out. It should come out on Tuesday, July 5th. And the OCD conference is on the 7th to the 11th. So hopefully I will see some of you in Denver. I won't recognize any of you, obviously. I'm horrible with faces. I'm actually very anxious about going. My social anxiety is not happy about being surrounded by people who may recognize me or know me. And I'm horrible with names and faces. And so if you see me say hi, because I won't know you (laughs) and I don't really like big crowded conferences. So I'm not looking forward to that part, but I am looking forward to presenting. So me and my daughter are my 10 year old are presenting how to create a therapeutic home environment. And so check that out. I'm a little bummed because it's actually scheduled at the same time that the orientation is for the kids programming. And so I think some parents might miss it because they're going to want to go to the orientation for the kids programming. But Alex and I are going to be talking about how to create a therapeutic home environment. And she'll talk about it from a kid perspective. And I'll talk about it from a parent slash therapist perspective. So if you're going to be there, check me out. And I'll be presenting two times in the kids programming in the elementary school. It's my favorite age. I'm going to be talking about how to handle OCD at school. And so I've bought a bunch of goodies for that, (laughs) for the kids, things that they can use for coping. And the second presentation I'm doing is how to find new OCD themes and weeds and teaching kids on how to pluck out those OCD weeds before they even have time to grow so that our kids can identify their own OCD themes and, you know, be the security guard to their brain so that they don't kind of unintentionally grow new OCD themes without being aware that that's something that has to be dealt with. And I think that's a missing component that we often don't teach kids is how to identify new OCD themes because they can be so vastly different that they can miss them. So if you're going to be there, come and say hi and come and hear me talk and hopefully I'll get to meet your kids. That'll be awesome. If you're not going to be there, hopefully I can catch you on the virtual one. There's going to be an online virtual OCD conference in November. And I'll be doing a presentation on difficult behavior on for that one. And so you can always find out more information at the International OCD Foundation's website at iocdf.org. So I hope you're enjoying my podcast. Don't forget to, to rate it, hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. That really does help. If you have a few extra minutes, don't forget to leave a review. I really appreciate that. And to show my gratitude, I always like to end my show reading one of them. And I want to thank... Shanaj for writing a review. Thank you so timely. Thank you for sharing your experiences and expertise. 
just had a moment with my daughter and was able to go to the gym and listen to this, wanting to give her that inner voice of hope with God's help. Well, thank you for writing that. I appreciate you taking the time to write a review. And maybe if you write a review, I'll be reading yours next time. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.